Good morning, friends. I have missed you. (laughs) It is good to be back. Listen with me today for our our second scripture reading coming to us from the Gospel of John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and uh, Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, Jesus said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And Jesus said to Nathanael, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Spirit, open our hearts that you may transform us from within and your world in all places. We pray this in your name. Amen. At the heart of what we have been considering together throughout this summer is values. In the sermon series on the basic question of why that we have been exploring, throughout these months, your pastors and our guests have come to scripture with our own experiences and study, exploring some of our convictions around why God chooses us in the first place. Why God compels us personally? Why we do this life of faith together? And why in the world would we invite others to be a part of it? The questions at the end of each sermon have invited you into this exploration, encouraging you to consider your own convictions and the values that underlie these, those that motivate you in the life of faith, and in this particular community of belonging. We know, indeed, that some of our values shift over time as we grow and have experiences, but there are some that become and remain consistent. Motivators for why we do what we do, whether or not we are able to name it aloud or not. And even when we do have some clarity on these most 
basic values, still we come to different answers among ourselves about when and how to best express these, particularly in the public sphere. Thinking back to the summer of 2020, following the murder of George Floyd and the trauma visited once again, in particular among black men and families in the United States. As we all heard the desperation of Floyd's pleas for his life, for his mom, for his breath. In those few months after, there seemed for a moment a sense of clarity, a reckoning, we would say. In this country, some lives are valued more than others. It was impossible to turn on the television or engage online without seeing yet another expression of solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Banks and shoe companies and media conglomerates alike published value statements, naming and condemning, in some cases for the first time, systemic practices of racism, even within their own organizations and vowing commitments to be part of the solution. Subsequently, we saw lists highlighting movies and TV shows created by black artists. Money was pledged and dedicated specifically for investments in black owned businesses. And still, following up a year or two years later on the promises made at that time, we see that in some cases, these were kept even if incrementally, while in other cases, these well-meaning words linger. Though the focus has moved on, whether for the inability to consolidate a way forward or the inefficacy of single measures. So, Culturally still, this felt like a moment when many of us, from individuals to institutions, seemed to understand that both words and the accompanying actions were important. And yet, is, as is so often the case, no one felt like anyone else got it quite right. We see this play out across many of the significant cultural and identity conversations of this day. Beyond the general agreement that there's a relationship between our words and what we do, there is a heated debate about how best to clarify our values so that others know them and that better yet, these might translate into the change we wish to see. We are some who place the greatest value on the statements that need to be made, naming the values at stake and those that motivate us, while others place the greatest value in what can be seen beyond or even in place of these precisely crafted words, actions that point to values, relationships that express the heart of our beliefs. We know in all of this, that the values that we hold matter. They help us to see the world and to live in it. For people of faith, our values are not only those that we determine as individuals, but ideally, 
They are the ones that we learn and we teach as common values among us all, shaped by what we hear in the words of Scripture and what we see of God's activity in the world. What these mean for how we live, loving God, loving neighbor, just as we love ourselves. In their hymn entitled, Heaven Shall Not Wait, the collaborators John Bell and Graham Mall reflect on the urgency of God to restore the world, often in spite of the lethargy, the indecision of humanity. The third verse runs through my mind often. The whole verse goes like this, Heaven shall not wait for the dawn of great ideas. Thoughts of compassion divorced from cries of pain. Jesus is Lord. He has married word and action. His cross and company make his purpose plain. That one phrase in there, he has married word and action. We look at our human institutions and our best sense, and we know that the power in that sometimes and most often falls short in what we can do alone. But for Christ, this does not fall short. We know this, Maul and Bell write, because of the people that Jesus chooses to be around in his life. The ill and the imprisoned, tax collectors and women, fishermen and confused souls who sit under fig trees. And because Jesus is willing to suffer execution as an act of nonviolent resistance, showing us that love embraces everyone and everywhere. There is no confusion within Jesus between word and action, no debate to be had. Rather, in him, these come together in a way that we long for in our own lives and in our world. It makes me wonder when we come to our story this morning if the disciples early on might have begun to perceive this. But we see in John's telling of their first call that their understanding of Jesus still fell short. From Philip to Nathaniel, neither of them had it quite right when they come to Jesus in this story. Philip hurriedly introduces his friend to Jesus, whom, as far as we can tell, he'd really only just met himself. And still, Philip says, come, join me. Here's the one that we've heard stories of, from Moses on down to the prophets. It's, it's Jesus, the son of jo Joseph. You know him, of Nazareth. Nathaniel's response might be my very favorite of any disciple. Seriously? Can anything good come from Nazareth? The A-level snark on this, I very much appreciate. Come and see, that's what Philip says. What can it hurt? So, propelled by curiosity or boredom or loyalty, Nathaniel did that, only to eat his own words after his brief back and forth with Jesus. So then it becomes Nathaniel's time to say who he knows Jesus to be in that moment. Teacher, rabbi, son of God, king of Israel. 
Jesus can take the snark from Nathaniel, and he can also give it back. <laughs> he says to Nathaniel, really, you called me just because I said I saw you sitting under a fig tree? This is only just the beginning. In these brief interactions, the disciples reveal what they knew. They knew what was told to them from the beginning, from the songs their mother sang and the sacred festivals and holy days at the temple, the questions they'd asked and overheard of local religious leaders. There was a Messiah. He was to come. He was a mighty king, a brave prophet, a wise teacher, kin to God as all other leaders claim to be. He would fulfill this law of Moses. They'd even heard of this particular one, this Jesus from Nazareth, born to Mary and Joseph. And so they said what they knew. The claims of knowing who he was got them to take the step to follow. The assurance that these words and the values they conveyed captured what they knew at that moment but they followed to learn more. Their early perceptions fell short as our understandings tend to, hemmed in by the world we know and the one we live in, when it is nearly impossible to imagine the pure union of word and action in any one individual, much less in institutions built by human hands. The distorted agendas of power and politics and profit of self-preservation and ego, they divide us from one another, even within ourselves. So much so that we trust in and most often resign ourselves to understand that this is the only way. But the gospel writer tells us something different. He gives us a new understanding of who Jesus is. From the very beginning of this beautiful gospel, we hear that Jesus is one with the Creator, Word, Light. Jesus takes it to the next step in his very first interaction here, revealing that he is the bridge. Maybe the whole time. Okay. <laughs> Reimagining that God chooses us as imperfect for this perfecting work. Reimagining the story of Jacob's ladder for Nathaniel. Jesus claims that he, the one about whom they said many things, but not this thing, 
that he, Jesus, is born of Mary and born of God, upon whom the Spirit of God had already descended from heaven like a dove. It was Jesus who was the embodiment of this heaven and earth coming together. He was the fulfillment of all of God's promises, in whom word and action cannot be pried apart. In those last weeks of 2020, reflecting in the, on this text in the midst of the pandemic still raging, with promises of change and uh, amid the racial uprisings that had continued for months, the Reverend Angela Parker commented, that given Jesus' identity as a connector and a bridge between God and humanity, accordingly, she says, part of our job as the church, as followers of Jesus in contemporary moments of fragmentation, is to be part of God's bridge for connection. As those who are the body of the one who married word and action, we know a way other than the divisiveness and unfulfilled promises that surround us. We know a way that we can speak clearly and act even more boldly. We are formed in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. He who befriended the imperfect, the short-sighted, and the snarky, who lifted up the marginalized and the mentally ill and the poor, who was not content to let fear and violence and death define our relationship to one another. To be clear on these values, on the values of God's kingdom, of justice and equity, of welcome and belonging, of radical love that is at work in the world to create safe space and community for those who have been terrorized and pushed aside. To be clear on these values is to be God's bridge for connection so that the unity of our words and our acts point to the truth of Christ in whom we have all been formed. So to know what we value, how this compels us to speak, and to live with hope and courage. We join God in extending the invitation to others to come and see, to witness to the even greater things that we have not yet seen, and to know that the welcome of God is wide enough that all of us will be transformed within it. As we come to a close in this chapter of our series, you will find, once again, a card in your pew, and you're invited to use this as you reflect. We're calling this a personal affirmation of faith because it forms the beginning of our response to scripture. You are invited, if you choose, to place this card in the offering plate as it comes by. And for those who are joining us online, you are invited to email your pastors with your thoughts. So now, friends, consider this question. Be open to the spirits moving within you. What in your faith do you most wish to tell others about? What in your faith do you most wish to express to others?